I always say Taylor gets better and better in her, her renditions of these songs, and she really does. And she started off singing, and I always tell this story, she was about four years old, I remember her singing, and she was always one of the kids that knew every single word of every single song. And she loved to sing then, and she loves to sing now. And I still love to sing too. And when we can sing praises to the Lord, it's the best kind of music you can possibly have, singing praises to Him. Thank you, Taylor. Shall we just open in prayer? Our Father, we come before you this morning as a needy people. We need to hear your word, Lord. We think of how it said in the scriptures there was a famine for a hearing of the word of God. And we sense this today in our world. There's a famine for the hearing of the word of God. And we thank you that we can open it this morning, this precious holy book, your word. And we pray that it would come alive to our hearts and that you will speak to us individually and personally the message you want us to hear. One person may get one lesson. Another person may get another. We all have different needs and different things we're going through in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that you will keep me humble and hide me behind the cross. And may the words that are spoken be your words, Lord. And may they reach out and touch people and change lives today. And in advance, we give you glory and thanks and pray for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Years ago, the communist government commissioned a, an author to write a biography on Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China who served the Lord for many years and won many souls to Christ. But the purpose of the Chinese government was to present Hudson Taylor in a bad light. Can you imagine that? And they wanted to do that. So they wanted to discredit the name of this consecrated missionary of God and in so doing, discredit the gospel. Discredit the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the author started doing his research, and as he was doing his research, he became, it became increasingly more difficult for him because he was so impressed by the character of Hudson Taylor and for his godly life and the way he conducted himself. Yes, he found it so difficult to carry out his assigned task with a clear conscience. Eventually, at the risk of his own life, he put down the pen and he renounced his atheism and received Jesus as his personal Savior. Isn't that amazing? That a man who died so many years ago a missionary who preached the gospel, could still have an impact and an influence on, a, on an unsaved author, an atheist, who set out to discredit him. And his influence is still felt today in China. It's still felt today in China, and it's still felt today around the world. And any man or woman of God leaves an impact on this world that goes on and on. It's a legacy. And that is something we should all strive for. You know, we can never underestimate the power of influence. And do you know that you have a power of influence over others? And you can be an influence to them. People in your family. You can have an influence on your spouse. You can have an influence, a big influence on your kids. 
You can have an influence on your neighbors. You can have an influence on your coworkers. You can have an influence, kids, that when you go to school, on your, on your classmates and your teachers. God wants us to be influencers. He wants us to influence people for the Lord in a spiritual way. And sadly, we don't have a lot of influencers for the Lord today. People that stand out. But think back to your life this morning. Think about people that have been influential in your life. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a friend. As Christians, maybe it's a spiritual mentor. Somebody that's really had an impact on your life. I look back to my life and I think about Bill McDonald. I think about Gene Gibson. I think about a man named George Armading. These were influential people in my life when I was very young. And now I think of somebody like dear brother Adolf. He has impacted my life more than anybody else I know. He's been an example to me over the years. And Sylvia too, right with him, the two of them, have had so much influence on us, haven't they? They've not only taught us the word, but they've lived the word in front of us to show us the example of how to do it. And I praise God for them. And today we're going to study the topic of a man in the Bible who had a, was an influencer for God. And I could probably have you guess who it is, but you probably won't guess it, because it's not a name that's commonly used or thought of. But the man that we're going to study today was a priest who had an influence on a king and over a whole kingdom, and his name is Jehoiada. Jehoiada, and he was a great man of God who lived a long life and served the Lord. And we're going to look at four things about his life today. He had an influence to protect the young king Joash, number one. Number two, he had an influence to eliminate Public enemy number one in those days was the wicked queen, Athaliah, and he eliminated her. Number three, he had an influence on King Joash all the day and all of Judah until his death. And number four, he had an influence on his son, Zechariah. And we're going to see how it all fits together and how God can use us also to be influencers for God. The definition of influence is the power of a person or thing to affect others and to bring out an effect in them. I like what the poet said. My life shall touch a dozen lives before this day is done. Leave countless marks for good or ill ere sets the evening sun. This is the wish I always wish, the pray, uh, prayer I always pray, Lord, may my life help other lives it touches by the way. We don't realize sometimes how much of an influence we can have upon others. And maybe we won't realize it until we, until we hear it from them speaking it to us, and they say, wow, you really blessed my life. You really touched my life. And that is the greatest compliment you can ever get from somebody. You really blessed my life. You really touched my life. You really helped me. And so we're going to look from the scriptures and see what happened with regard to Jehoiada and how he was used of God in a marvelous and wonderful way. And in these days, King Ahaz was the king, and he was a wicked king. And because he was a wicked king, there were men who came and killed him. 
And so he was dead, and there was, a, there was to be a new king that was to rise up. But he had a mother, and I don't think uh, this mother would be one you'd want to send a Mother's Day card to. I don't think you would want to honor her with flowers and candy and, and nice jewelry or gifts. This woman was just plain wicked. There was no other way to describe her. She was the wicked queen. It would be like in the Wizard of Oz, the wicked witch of the West, right? And she was, she was mean. She was ugly in her character. And one of the ugliest, most despicable things she did is she killed all the royal heirs of, the, of her son, who is the king Ahaziah. She killed them all. And yet, God made it possible for one of them to survive, and his name was Joash. He was only a year old, and there was a lady there, and her name was Jehoshabeth, and she was the wife of Jehoiada, and she saved him, and she took him and hid him in the bedroom, it says, and then Jehoiada hid him in the temple for six years. Six years. Can you imagine? Queen Athaliah is ruling with wickedness and evil, and under her very nose is the one heir who is still left who is to be king over Judah. And Jehoiada did everything he could to protect Joash from being killed by her. And so they, he had them go into the temple, and he took all the, the priests and all the Levites, and he brought in the captains of the army. And this is how influential he was. And he brought them all together and made a covenant with them to protect the young king. He said, anyone who comes into this temple, unless he's a priest or a Levite, you are to kill immediately. And so they put guards, they stood guards, they did 24-hour shifts, and they protected that king. And they took spears, and they took shields, and they guarded that king for six years. And he did that with the risk of his own life because if this plot was uncovered and Athaliah found out what Jehoiada had done, that's it. He would have been wiped out. She would have made, had him killed and he would have been dead. But because he loved the Lord and he risked his life for the Lord, he had such an influence on those days. It talks about in Acts chapter 15 and verse 26 when they made the decree in Jerusalem, they were talking about Barnabas and Paul, and it says of them that they were men who risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Jehoiada did. He risked his life to save this young boy until he was ready to be king. And when God says it's time, and it's his will and his timing, he's going to raise him up to be the king over all of Judah. And so they did this, and they carried this on, and it was a blessing indeed. And it says, Jehoiada strengthened himself and made a covenant with the captains of the army and all these people, and they carried on this for six years. The question is this, how much influence do you have in your life? Do people listen when you speak to them? Or do, do they take you seriously, especially in matters of spiritual things? We should have a reputation of being godly people, godly men, godly women, godly young people, and people will respect us. They may not agree with us,
but they will respect us. And as Mike oftentimes says, you cannot dispute a testimony for the Lord because when the Lord changes our lives, he changes our lives. You, you can't deny it. You can argue against the Bible. You can argue against the gospel, but you can't argue against a changed life. And when the Lord changes somebody's life, it's so beautiful. Case in point, our brother Dan here. The Lord has changed his life, right? He's given you new life. You, you're not the same Dan anymore. You have the same name. You look the same. You may dress the same, but you're different on the inside. Christ has changed your life. And this morning, to me, it gave me a thrill. He gave out that hymn, Since Jesus Came Into My Heart. I mean, that was a beautiful hymn, brother. Thank you for sharing that. It's one of my favorites. It's again, I got a beautiful tune. Since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy o'er my soul, like the sea billows roll, since Jesus came into my heart. And this man, Jehoiada, was a godly man, and he influenced people for the good to walk in a holy and godly manner. And so we see it in this, in this chapter, what he did. And then we also see his influence to eliminate this Queen Athaliah. And if you look at the scriptures here, we'll take up the reading at verse 11 of 2 Chronicles chapter 23. And it says this, And they brought out the king's son and put the crown on him and gave him the testimony, which is the law, the word of God, and made him king and anointed him and said, Long live the king. And when you say long live the king, they didn't just say long live the king. They said long live the king. And so they made this great shout, and notice what it says, Now when Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. Now notice, she hadn't been in the temple for those six years. They weren't even using the temple in those six years. They were far from God, especially her and, and her associates. And it says, when she looked, there was the king standing by the pillar at the entrance, and the leaders and the trumpeters were, re, were with by the king, and all the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. It was loud. Also the singers with the musical instruments and those who led in praise. And notice this. So Athaliah tore her clothes and said, treason, treason. She saw this young boy, he was only seven, as the greatest threat to her. Isn't that amazing? When Jesus was born, what did Herod do? He went out to kill all the little baby boys. He was so mad because the wise men did not come back to him and say where, where Jesus was. He was so angry with them. He then ordered all the baby boys from two and a half years old in that age where Jesus was born, and they killed all those baby boys. He was so wicked and so evil. And there's been people in Bible days that are so evil. You've got your Athaliahs, you've got your, your uh, Ahabs, and you've got your Jezebels, and you've got your Herods, and people that were so against the Lord and against the Lord's people. And what happened to them? They all died. They're all gone. They were all conquered. They were all defeated because of the power of God. And we can have an influence on people like Jehoiada had here. And here is this young boy at seven years old who's now to take over the kingdom. And he really was the youngest king to ever rule in any of the kings. 
Jo the other one that was young, too, uh, was uh, Josiah. He was like eight. And so usually they were older, but sometimes they were young like this. And they needed to have advisors to help them because they were so young. And Joash had Jehoiada as his mentor, as his teacher, as the one who helped him. And it tells us in the scriptures in chapter 24 that in verse 2, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. All the days when Jehoiada was there, he did well because he listened to Jehoiada, he did what he said, he towed the line, he was, he was a good king. But keep in mind those words as the end of the message comes later on, we're going to see that those words are going to be interesting the way the Holy Spirit says it. All the days of Jehoiada, he was fine. He was walking. We shouldn't have to rely on people to, for our Christian life to be successful. It should be between us and the Lord. Now, we do need counselors and we need teachers, but we shouldn't have them as, the, as our props where if they're not around, we just fall flat and completely can't make it. They don't want us to be that way. They want us to be strong and to learn so that we can stand on our spiritual feet and we can make our decisions for the Lord. And we do need counsel, and we do need teaching, and we need mentors and people to help us. But if they're not around, we need to stand. We need to take a stand for the Lord like we sang this morning. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. And so what they did here, which I thought was fantastic with regard to Athaliah in the earlier chapter there in 23, it says that Jehoiada the priest brought the captains of hundreds that were set over the army and said to them, take her outside under guard and slay her with the sword, whoever follows her. For the priest had said, do not kill her in the house of the Lord. So they seized her and she went by the way by the entrance of the horse gate into the king's house and they killed her there. You can't feel sorry for this woman. She was evil and wicked and God will bring judgment. He will bring judgment on the wicked he really will, and he does. And this woman had reigned with terror for all those years, and now her day had come, and she was killed. And so they made a covenant, and it says in verse 16 of that chapter, it says that Jehoiada made a covenant between himself, the people, and the king. What a beautiful triangle between himself, the people, and the king that what? that they should be the Lord's people. That they should be the Lord's people. Judah had fallen astray. Israel had gone completely off, off course, the uh, northern kingdom. And even Judah had gone and worshipped idols, and they had worshipped them and all these things. And so God was not pleased with them. And so when Joash came, one of the first projects that he did was to restore the temple back to where it should be. And so they had to repair it, and it took money, and they brought the money in, and they brought it to the priests, and they used the money to pay the craftsmen to restore the temple to where it should have been. And it was a beautiful thing, and things were going well for them because of the influence of that. You know, the other thing when it comes to influence we have to be careful of, not only should we be good influencers of others, but we should be careful of the people who influence us. That's another important part about influence. Who, is, who not only has influenced you for the good, but who in your past maybe has influenced you for the bad? 
And when we get saved, sometimes we have to, and all the time, really, we have to break off those associations because they're not good influences on us. That's why. And God wants us to be careful who we associate with. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And I like what it says in the Amplified Version on this verse. It says, Do not be deceived and misled. Evil companionships, communion, associations, corrupt and deprave good manners and morals and characters. You know, there's a kind of a funny story. There was a farmer one day, and he wanted to go out and shoot these crows. These crows were pesky crows. They were always getting into his crops and causing problems. And you know, they have scarecrows. Like in the Wizard of Oz, they'd show the scarecrow to scare away the crows. I don't know how they would scare them away, but that was what they were intended to do. Well, one day the farmer got his rifle out, and he saw those crows. I'm going to get rid of these crows once and for all. So he got his gun out, right, and there was a whole flock of these crows, and he shot the gun. One, two, three. He shot it, and then he went over to look at these birds that had fallen to the ground, and to his surprise and chagrin, his prized parrot was among the crows, and it was, its wing was broken. It was laying there on the ground, and he felt so bad. But, and then the farmer's children ran out, and they said, Dad, what happened? The farmer replied simply, bad company. That parrot had bad company. It was associating with the crows. If you associate with the crows, you could get shot like the crows, right? And so we shouldn't be associating ourselves with the crows, with the people of this world that have a bad influence on us. We should associate with the godly. It says if you want to be godly, you've got to walk with the godly. And that is so true. We can't allow the ungodly or the carnal to have an influence on our thinking and on our way of living. And third... He had an influence on King Joash and Judah all the way to the day of his death. Now, outside of the book of Genesis, Jehoiada lived the longest life of any man that I know of outside the days of Genesis where they had the before the flood and after the flood and then uh, the patriarchs and everything. They lived pretty long lives. But guess what? Guess how many years he lived? One 130 years. It says so in 2 Chronicles 23, 16. Ed's put, put the verse up. It says, Then Jehoiada made a covenant, or excuse me, it says that he lived 130 years in verse 15 of 1 Chronicles 24. But Jehoiada grew old and was full of days, and he died, and it says, he was 130 years old when he died. Now that is a good long life. God blessed him with a good long life. And he left an influence and a legacy on the people of that day. But when the day came for them to bury him, where did they bury him? It tells us in the 16th verse that they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel both toward God and his house. I can't think of any other person I know of. I could be wrong. I could be stand corrected. But I don't know any non-king that was ever buried among the kings. But he had such an influence and was such a godly man and a godly priest 
that they buried him among the kings. I really believe that his influence on the nation was as great or even greater than many of the other kings of Judah because he did everything for the Lord. He was a godly man. He stood for the Lord. He risked his life. He served people, and it was a blessing. And so Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jehoiada said, as for me and my king and my country, we will serve the Lord. So he led the whole nation in the right path during his life. But sadly, when he died, it stopped because they went back to their evil ways again. And what a sad story it was. Paul said to us in 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. They did to a certain degree follow Jehoiada. But when he died, bad things started to happen. Bad things started to happen. And all during the days of Jehoiada, Joash did right in the sight of the Lord. It said, Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. But we pay careful notice all those days. But after that, it was a different story. And it says to us here that when Jesus grew up, he grew in the same way. He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And that's exactly the way it was with Jehoiada. There's a story told of Dr. John Getty, who went to a place called Antentium in 1848 and worked for God there 24 years. On the tablet that was erected to his memory, these words were inscribed. When he landed there, there were no Christians. When he left, there were no heathens. Did he have an influence? Did he have an impact? Imagine that. When he arrived, not one single Christian. But when he left, no heathens. All that small location there, they, all, they were all brought to salvation. What an influence. We, we can have that same kind of influence. Maybe not over a whole nation. Maybe not over a whole world, but we can have an impact and influence on our world, our sphere of influence, the people we come into contact with. We can influence them, and we can lead them to the Savior. A story is told of a, of a young boy that saw two signs, and some you'll like this because you're from Seattle, right? It's your adopted home after you came over from Korea. But uh, there were two signs, and one said, to Seattle, and the other one said, to Tacoma. So the boy thinks, boy, I wonder how many people I could throw off, I could get them to go the wrong way, I'll just switch these signs around. And so when you think you're going to Seattle, you're really going to Tacoma, or if you think you're going to Tacoma, you're really going to be going to Seattle. And this boy thought it would be great fun if he would switch the signs. And you know what? Some Christians are switching the signs. Because their lives are not godly, because their words are not holy, they're confusing people. They're making people confused. What does it really mean to be a Christian? Is it really okay as a Christian to, do, you know, to, to cuss? Is it really okay for a Christian to go out drinking with the, with the guys or the girls? Is it really okay for a Christian to go to certain movies that are off color? 
to read certain magazines or newspapers or things like that? No, it's not okay. And it sends mixed signals. It switches the signs. They think Christianity is one way when it's really not. They, it leads people the wrong way. And then it makes it hard for the other Christians to have an impact. And then our fourth point this morning briefly is that he had an influence on his son. Now it's told over the years that there have been missionaries, there have been preachers, there have been pastors where they've had a great ministry toward others, but their whole families have been lost. They've, they've not had the same influence on their kids, and their kids have gone off into the world, and you can't blame the parents fully for that because each person has to make their own decision. But if a father doesn't spend time with his kids and devotes everything to different other things, what do you expect, right? But that wasn't true with Jehoiada. He was a good father. It says in the scriptures he had sons, more than one. But in one son in particular was named Zechariah, and he took over for his father, and he was a great priest as well. And we're going to see the story of what happened in the end. And unfortunately, it's not a happy Hollywood ending, but it does go to show sometimes people do not have an appreciation. It tells us that here in this passage, that after Jehoiada had died, it says in verse 18 of chapter 24 of 2 Chronicles, Therefore they left the house of the Lord their fathers and served wooden images and idols, and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. Verse 19, Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not listen. May God never have to say that about us. Dean, you didn't listen. I gave you opportunities. I gave you chances. You could have turned back. You didn't have to go down that path. They did not listen. They didn't listen. And so what God did, when the prophets didn't work, he sent Zechariah. It says in verse 20, that the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, who stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, He also has forsaken you. Now those words stung. They burned. They hurt. But they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to listen. And it reminds us of when they stoned Stephen too. He preached the word and they didn't want to hear it, that says they covered their ears, they shouted upon him, and they stoned Stephen to death. Same kind of thing. And so here in this passage we see that the people did not want to hear it, and so what did they do? The king himself orders the execution of Zechariah. It's the saddest thing you can believe. In verse 21, verse 21, it says, So they conspired against him, at the command of the king, they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but killed his son. And as he died, he said, the Lord look on it and repay. Wow. This story would be sad enough if you were to kill a man of God like this, but for this King Joash, who had been helped by Zechariah's father, who his life was 
was preserved and protected because of Jehoiada. If it wasn't for Jehoiada, he'd have been killed like all the others. If it wasn't for Jehoiada and his wife, he would have been dead. And, and he taught him, and he counseled him, and he mentored him. He did everything to him. We oftentimes put in, you say, I put blood and sweat and tears into it. And that's what Jehoiada did. He put his blood, his sweat, and his tears into it. And what thanks did he get? This king had the gall, the unmitigated gall, as they say, to kill his son. Sad, very sad. It shows the heart of man is wicked. The heart of man is evil. And so we do our best to have an influence on people, but sometimes some people will not be influenced. The old expression is so true. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can lead a soul to Christ, but they have to receive him. They have to repent. They have to believe. It's their decision. Whether it's a child in the family, whether it's somebody you witness to, I mean, you want them to be saved so bad, you want to just do something to just get them saved. But it's still their decision. We can have influence on them, but we have to let them make that choice and that decision. It's so exciting to me that Billy Graham's son, look at him. He's a prime example of this, Franklin Graham. When Franklin Graham was a young man, he learned the word of God when he was a young child. He grew up with Billy Graham and Ruth Graham and everything. And, and as parents, can you imagine having such a godly upbringing? But he, like many teenagers, like teenagers we've seen in our assembly over the years too, rebelled. He rebelled. He went through that rebellion stage. But finally, God got his attention and spoke to his heart. And Franklin Graham got saved. And now when Billy Graham has passed away, instead of Franklin going off and doing things in the world, he has carried on his father's ministry, but in a different way. He doesn't go to stadiums, large stadiums like his father did and preach the gospel to hundreds and thousands of people. But he goes to these small venues around the country and around the world to people, to areas where the gospel hasn't reached people. And he, he preaches the word and he has music and he, he brings the gospel and souls get saved. So you say like father, like son. He's carrying on his father's legacy. It didn't have to be in exactly the same way, but he's still preaching the gospel, still winning souls for Christ, carrying on the Samaritan's Purse ministry and the Christmas child ministry that we all participate in every year. And that shows when you train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he will not depart from it. And God can use it years later and he used it in Franklin Graham's life. He's used it in many other lives. And he can take what we learn in the past and bring to our mind that we need to be saved and get saved and change your life. And then you can say, since Jesus came into my heart. So let's remember as we close this message today that Jehoiada was a godly man, a godly priest, a great example to King Joash and to all the nation of Judah. And he wants us to be like Jehoiada. He wants us to be influencers. He wants us to have influence upon the people that we meet. That when people know we're Christians, they'll see Jesus in us. Is that your desire today, for Jesus to be shown in your life, in your words, in your actions? It's my desire. 
And I believe all of our desires to be like Jesus and to share that with him. Just like the poet said, every day it was his wish and his prayer that he would have an influence on people. And we can either have a good influence on people or a bad influence on people. And that would be a tragedy, wouldn't it, if one day the Lord said, well, you didn't quite measure up, you didn't have a good influence on people, you could have done better, it's going to be sad. But when we come to the Lord and the Lord says, you had a good influence, you lived a life for Christ, you served me faithfully, come into the joy of your Lord and he'll give us rewards and crowns for the things that we do. And I think about that and how when Jehoiada lived 130 years and he died, can you imagine not long after that, his son joined him in heaven in glory? Can that be anything but, that, that would be the good part of this, is the fact that Zechariah had followed his father's example and had lived the way his father lived, and when the time came to speak up for the Lord at the risk of his own life, he, like his father, did the same. Yes, we can be influencers for God. We can leave behind a legacy so that we can show people in a humble way, in a loving way, in a gentle way, how to come to Christ. People come to Christ more with love and kindness than they do with the fiery words. And may the Lord help us to not compromise with the truth. That's the thing. We want to be gentle. We want to be kind. We want to influence people in a, in a very good way, but we don't want to compromise. That's not what we're talking about. Jehoiada never compromised. Zechariah, his son, never compromised. They stood for the truth. They influenced people. And may God help us to be influencers for God in this world today. Shall we just pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story of Jehoiada. I think if we took a poll of how many have heard his name before, probably not very many would, would answer it. We may have read his name. We may have passed through it when we read certain scriptures, but it's not a common household name among Christian godly men in, in the Bible or priests or kings. Or, we know so many more things about others, but we thank you for his life, Lord, and for the example that he proved to be and for the example he is to us and how we can have influence on people. Lord, help us to do it in a loving, gentle, and straightforward way. Help us never be afraid to share the truth without compromise and help us to influence everyone that we come into contact with for Jesus Christ. We just ask this now and thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.